Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Phil at the Movies. I am your host, Phil Walsh, and as I always say, this show is for the love of movies. Today, I am continuing my review of the Halloween franchise in the lead-up to the release of Halloween Ends, which is now just over a month and a half away, and I'm recording this today on September 1st, so happy September to everyone out there, this is the beginning of spooky season, Halloween time, as far as I'm concerned. Enjoying a pumpkin spice uh, coffee right now, so I'm uh, I'm already in the mood, uh, as it were, and, and definitely amped to talk about this episode today. Episode number 21, in fact, of this show. And today, going to be talking about the often maligned entry in the franchise, or I shouldn't say that. I should say the 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 uh, the one without Michael Myers. That is, of course, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. And today, going to decide uh, uh, whether or not this was a box office misfire or a gem that was ahead of its time. But uh, before I put Halloween 3 on the chopping block, let me uh, just do a little bit of housekeeping, as I often do at the start of the show. As always, thank you to you, the listeners, for your continued support and warm response for this show. It just makes it all the more worthwhile. As I've said from the beginning, this is a passion project. It's for the love of movies. Uh, that's the reason why I'm doing it. But just to have your engagement and, and frankly, just support has just made it all that more enjoyable. So thank you for tuning in each week and hearing what I have to say on uh, any particular movie. And certainly for staying with me over the last number of weeks now with uh, my reviews of uh each entry in the Halloween franchise. Uh, I do uh, want to say there will be some new movie reviews in the coming weeks. Uh, September is going to be a fascinating month. We've got Don't Worry Darling, which has got a whole lot of uh, uh, external gossip and controversy surrounding uh, sort of the uh, dynamics, if you will. Not going to get into that, but um, that's coming out. Uh, Blondie's coming out. Uh, the Ana de Armas, Marilyn Monroe movie. Uh, there's also See How They Run, which looks fantastic, and one that I'm I'm really excited to see, and that's Pearl, the uh, the prequel to the movie X, which is one of my favorite uh, films of the year. So really looking forward to that uh, to that coming out, and of course there's also Hocus Pocus too. So there's sort of a a little bit for everybody this month, and uh, I promise I will be doing uh, some reviews on the side, so there'll be. An episode which will focus half on a Halloween movie and then one that will focus on a new release movie. So stay tuned for that. But um, in the meantime, if you have not done so already, please hit that subscribe button and follow along with this show. Feel free to uh, pass it along, share it with your friends, your family, your enemies, <laughs> anybody who you think would enjoy listening to a movie buff go on each week with passionate monologues and uh, and at times discussions on everything from the greats to the box office mishaps to everything in between. Uh, please uh, please feel free to, to encourage new listeners to uh, come along and, and join us on this uh, movie train, if you will. Um, but if you are actually a new listener, I want to say first, first off, welcome, and uh, hopefully uh, you'll stick around. Uh, promise we won't be won't be covering Halloween indefinitely, but certainly this is the start of uh, of the Halloween season in my book. So uh, the next the next few weeks are definitely going to be uh, much more uh, holiday themed. But I promise we're going to keep it 
going to keep it interesting, going to keep it entertaining. And uh, just as a as a side note, I do apologize for the sound on today's episode. I'm not in my usual setup with my, my traditional microphone, so bear with me if there are any uh, technical difficulties. I'm going to try to keep them to a minimum, but uh, I'm not in my usual setup with my usual mic, so uh, just trying to adapt <laughs> a little bit today. But uh, just want to put that out there. Uh, as an FYI, if, if the sound uh, sounds sounds a little uh, little strange today, but uh, in any event, I think that uh, that takes care of the usual uh, bit of housekeeping. I'm gonna dive into Halloween three, and of course, this is the one that uh, it, you know it, it's I would say it has gone through a renaissance. It came out a little almost a year after Halloween two, and again had to put it back in context, because this is 1982. Halloween 2 had come out the previous year, was uh, a relative uh, success, yeah, kind of cemented Michael Myers as the uh, as the definitive boogeyman, slasher, villain, monster uh, of the day. Of course, the movie ends with this terrific explosion, Dr. Loomis and Michael Myers going up in flames at the hospital, and Laurie Strode surviving and, and kind of riding off into the fog or riding off into the sunset, uh, if you will. Now, Halloween 2, as I as I said last week, was was done kind of as a, a way for John Carpenter to fulfill some con- uh, contractual obligations and to put an end uh, to the Michael Myers storyline. He had no interest in doing another sequel, uh, let alone, uh, you know, a sequel in the first place. But, you know, he did it. He made it his own, and, and that is why the ending to Halloween 2 is is the way it is, because he and Deborah Hill wanted to be done with this particular storyline. And their desire was to create an anthology series where anything could happen with the Halloween season or the holiday, and, and that was the, the real genesis behind the idea of Halloween 3, was, was to take a, a different subject or a different... Uh, uh, idea, if you will, set it on or around Halloween, and then release, in theory, a Halloween movie every year or every other year. And as you can see, this started with 1982's Halloween 3. Halloween 2 would come out the year before. So, I mean, the idea was definitely uh, in motion. But, I mean, you know, insofar as, as Michael, Meyer was, Michael Myers uh, was concerned, I mean, take it straight from the man himself, John Carpenter, who said, uh, and I quote, the shape is dead and Pleasant's character is dead too, unfortunately. So they were done. They they were done with, with Michael Myers. They were done with that storyline and they wanted to do something else. And and I have to say, I appreciate that. I respect that because, you know, at the time, you know, now we think franchise, we think ongoing series, you know, it's it's a no brainer. Here we are, we're now on, you know, Halloween ends coming out in just a short while. So, I mean, you know, people were definitely, you know, were, were not accustomed to sequel after sequel with the same exact character. This was still in the early days of Friday the 13th. Uh, Freddy Krueger had not come along yet. So things were not quite, uh, you know, sequel heavy and, and franchise crazy that would later uh, spawn out uh, throughout the 1980s. But, uh, you know, at the time, Carpenter and Hill wanted to do something different. And and to them, Michael Myers was dead. The storyline was over. It was time 
to uh, to move forward and and move forward uh, they did. Halloween three is is an interesting case because the idea of making the series a an anthology was was in many ways ahead of its time. I think if Halloween three was to come out today, it would it would find its audience. It would be this. Uh, this this sleeper hit, if you will, and I think the series could go on in a new direction. I mean, right now there are discussions about whether or not Halloween, you know, what is the direction of Halloween post Halloween ends? Is is Michael Myers going to make a return in a few years, or is it going to spin off as Carpenter and Hill intended as an anthology, where you know Michael Myers, you know, could still pop up down the road, but the idea being that. You know, take Halloween, the season, and do a movie and a story around it and have anything happen uh, with regards to Halloween. So, you know, to be determined now, but certainly going back in, uh, in, in time, 1982, Halloween season of, the, uh, season of the Witch. I think the mistake from, from kind of the, from the get-go was they, they probably should not have used the title Halloween 3. I get it, you know, you were continuing the franchise, but I think that was what set them up for for failure. Because the minute you put Halloween 3, and even though there's the subtitle, Season of the Witch, and, and you have the tagline, The Night No One Comes Home, like, you're trying to differentiate it from Michael Myers, but the fact is, you have the Halloween name in the title. So automatically, folks, understandably so, went into that movie thinking Michael Myers is going to 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 show up and, and I will say you know when I first saw this movie in the early 2000s like I had a vague idea that that there was there was something different like you know just from, you know kind of a quick you know peruse online you know file up fire up the dial up back in the day and like you, know, you knew there was there was you know, it wasn't quite the same storyline as Halloween 2, but, you know, I went into Halloween 3 the first time I watched it, thinking, okay, well, Michael Myers, Michael is going to show up, or, or there's going to be some kind of a weird connection that's going to tie everything together, and it doesn't. I mean, Michael Myers, yes, technically does appear in the movie, but he it's on screen, or it's, it's on TV, kind of, you know, a movie within a movie, and so the this movie, Season of the Witch, goes out of its way to separate itself from the Haddonfield, Laurie Strode, Loomis, Michael Myers mythology and and just puts it in its own context where Halloween, the movie, is just that, a movie. And I have to imagine for audiences in, in 1982, they were probably scratching their heads and thinking, okay, it's a new Halloween movie. Again, this is before social media. This is before, you know, kind of this onslaught of, of press and promotion, you know, most people you know, back in the day either you know saw a, a thirty-second clip on TV or saw uh, a sign at the local movie theater or or read something in the paper. Oh, new Halloween movie! All right, go check it out. And and understandably, we'd be thinking, oh, Michael Myers. You know, let's, let's see what, what what's going to happen. But of course, that is not the case. Michael Myers is not in this movie. So. Right off the bat, I think, you know, folks were, were probably understandably confused and, and probably felt, you know, cheated that, that, okay, you know, why are we going to see a Halloween movie and Michael Myers is not in it? And so I think, you know, the, the decision to keep the Halloween 
title in the movie probably wasn't the best marketing choice. You know, I think, you know, again, today's world with, with, with just, of course, social media and promotion and the idea of anthology stories and movies, I, I, I think, you know, it doesn't matter. I think Halloween 3 would have found an audience. But back in 1982, just a year after Halloween 2 came out, I think folks would have, would have were, were, you know, would not have expected something completely, uh, you know, a complete 180 with regards to the Halloween franchise. But, you know, nevertheless, that is the that is the uh, you know direction uh, that 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 they uh, that they went and you know putting all the you know confusion and and whatnot aside. I mean Halloween uh, two uh, Halloween three excuse me uh, was a relative hit. It wasn't you know it didn't make you know a huge uh, load of money, but I mean shot on a budget of you know just over two million dollars. And it raked in around almost 15 million bucks. I mean, it was a it was a relative hit. Now compared to Halloween Two, which had pulled in over 25 million dollars, and of course the original, which was uh, pulling in around 70 million, makes sense that that Halloween Three wasn't had you know had underperformed. Audiences were upset that Michael Myers, you know, was not back. And of course, you know, connect the dots. You know, you get Halloween Four in 1988. But I mean. You know, putting all of that aside, let's look at what this movie was and, and, and what it tried to do. And if you can separate the Halloween, and I'm talking the Michael Myers lore and aspect of the franchise to this movie, you can separate that. This is actually a very genius film. And why I say that is because... First off, there was a lot of passion put into this movie. This was this was Tommy Wallace's directorial debut. I mean, he, this was this was what start you know was going to supposedly you know start his you know his career. Tommy had been you know the uh, production designer, uh, of course, had created uh, the Michael Myers um, mask <clears throat> with uh, you know for for the original film. He was the brainchild behind finding the Shatner mask and turning it. So I mean. He, you know, this was his moment, and he had actually been offered the 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 gig for Halloween two, but turned it down. So Halloween three was really, you know, this was his baby. And this is not a movie where you think, okay, they found it in. There's none of that. There is a lot of passion. There is a lot of creativity. The idea of having these masks, and I mean, the masks are so cool. I mean, I. I want one of these masks and I, I could probably go find them you know at any local party store at this point but like they are so unique and it gives the movie such a cool identity you've got the skeleton you've got the witch face and you've got the um the jack-o'-lantern the idea that you know some crazed business tycoon who's secretly uh, you know a witch or warlock himself um is going to essentially kill all the children on Halloween night if they wear this mask and then, you know, through this uh, messaging on TV, essentially like rot out their brains and insides. Like, I mean, you got to give them props for just thinking way outside uh, of, of the, of the, uh, of the trick or treat bag, if you will, and coming up with something that was totally fresh and totally different and kind of played into sort of the, 
the, the mass commercialization of Halloween and kind of the role of, of, of TV and commercials in our society and very much our, our consumerism. I mean, all of that is there in this movie. So, I mean, you know, just to give you a quick you know, rundown on the plot, you've got um, a, a worker at this factory called the Silver Shamrock Factory, which makes all of these Halloween masks that are being sold across the country. And, and he ends up dead. And what then starts is this investigation uh, between the daughter uh, of the deceased employee and the doctor at the hospital. And they kind of, you know, they team up and, and try to uncover this dark secret that's going on at this mysterious factory. And, you know, again, you got to give it to to Carpenter and Hill. They they were they were not, you know, making a, a studio movie. They were not you know, catering to, you know, to pressures. They wanted to tell a story that really kind of got into the mythology of Halloween, the season, the lore, the ideas behind trick or treat. And again, you know, kind of there's that that 80s, you know, sort of feel to it. You know, it's it definitely was ahead of its time, um, you know, because this is, you know, before, you know, the likes of, of Gordon Gecko and Wall Street and kind of portraying the, uh, you know, the businessman is this, you know, evil, evil corporate monster, uh, you know, both literally and figuratively. Um, but this movie has all that, you know, the, the guy um, is Connell uh, uh, Conrad, played by the great Dan O'Hurley. Uh, he gives a fantastic performance as this this crazed businessman, mask manufacturer, you know, who is who has this. Uh, you know, Dark's, you know, past and he's he's a warlock and he's using parts of, of the rock from Stone Age and inserting them in the mask. And there's like all witchcraft. I mean, it, like this, this was a really kind of like, you know, bonkers movie, like on, on sort of like on paper. But the way it is translated, like I watched it the other day, it does hold up. And there's a particular scene almost probably a quarter way through the movie where these, you know, it's like an investor and his wife and their son are touring the factory and kid puts on the mask, the Halloween uh, commercial comes up on TV and, you know, because of when they wear the mask and then with the commercial playing at the same time, it's basically, you know, rots out whoever's wearing the mask, you know, whoever's wearing the mask rots out their mind and, and, and turns them into this, you know, disgusting sludge of, of pythons and bugs and just creepy, creepy stuff. And and that scene, I have to say, really holds up. Even though this was shot in 1982, for a 40-year-old movie, the effects still look real. And, and there is genuine kind of, you know, shock with, with, with this movie. And I, I think the idea of trying to, you know, tell a, a quote-unquote witchcraft story, which is a theme that is very heavy throughout the movie, but to set it, as they said, in the computer age, I think was kind of a genius stroke because you kind of have the, the molding of old, of kind of like, you know, mystical, uh, you know, technology, if you will, with modern day technology to really create this, you know, kind of commentary on on sort of society and, and that's how really how i i 
take Halloween three is that it really is more a commentary on both American consumerism and, and kind of the commercialization of Halloween. I mean, there's a you know a point in the movie where uh, you know the villain Connell. Uh, Conrad makes a, a, a statement that, you know, Halloween, the season and the holiday is no longer what it once was. And he goes back and mentions, you know, the, the origins of Samhain and just sort of how it is now this, you know, glorified, you know, excuse to go out and dress in costumes and get candy and kind of the real spirit and nature of, of the holiday, which was very much a, a festival and kind of, you know, the, the warding off of evil spirits is no longer part of the tradition. And so that's kind of, you know, his you know, other insane uh, motivation is to kind of restore Halloween to its to its you know, rightful glory, if you will. And that's why he's created these these masks and put out these commercials that will run on on Halloween night so that when everyone is wearing the mask, it will it will it will kill them. And there'll be this great kind of ritualistic sacrifice. And, you know, I think that's probably another reason. I mean, putting aside the lack of Michael Myers. I think the film is very dark in in the sense the themes that are explored here. I mean, especially, you know, the killing of innocent children. I mean, I think that's going to automatically turn off moviegoers and and audiences. And interestingly enough, the director, uh, Tommy Wallace, said that Universal was not supportive of of the movie's ending. And, And, you know, spoiler alert, the movie ends on a very ominous note uh tom atkins character uh uh, dr chalice who you know manages to escape the factory and 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 kind of you know is racing to to a local tv station to try to stop the commercials from airing because he now knows what's going to happen when people wear the mask uh it ends with him going to a gas station finding a payphone and and trying to get the commercials off of, of of the channels and he's successful with a few of them but the commercial does keep playing and there's uh some trick-or-treaters that show up and they're watching the commercial and, and and it keeps playing and even though he's trying desperately to get it to go off you know it, it keeps playing and playing and it just ends with him screaming you know into into the into the camera screaming no 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 and then it it cuts to black and i think you know that you know, kind of ominous ending, you know, coupled with, with sort of the, the, the darker uh, elements, uh, if you will, you know, you know, probably was a, was, was able to turn off for audiences, but kind of fits with what Tommy Wallace was saying that, that Universal did not like the ending. They, they thought it was too dark. It was too depressing, too ominous. And so they kind of lost interest in promoting the movie. And this is, you know, Tommy Wallace's, take on it and and you know i think there was talk maybe you know some uh pressure from the studio to to get them to to do a different ending but but john carpenter stood by uh, tommy wallace and you know you gotta you gotta give him that you know he said hey it's, it's your ending and this is the way it's gonna be so you have to give them props there this was not you know a studio coming in at the last minute and saying no this is the way we want the ending to be and reshoot this i mean they stuck with their original vision and i think that's you know that that says you know, a lot more uh than, than what goes on in, in a lot of movies these days where you know you kind of have studio influence and and different pressures you know from the marketplace but i mean you know never <clears throat> nevertheless you know 
Halloween three kind of stands as this you know weird uh, uh, anomaly in the franchise because obviously the you know the the, the poor reception uh, from both critics and fans and and the low box office receipts paved the way for Michael Myers' inevitable return. But it, it is interesting to wonder if if they had either a marketed the movie better and, and done a better job communicating that this is this is a new entry in the franchise it's going off in a new direction or had just titled it season of the witch you know maybe it would have it you know, would have found its audience and 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 gone on and, and the series could have you know continued as carpenter and hill wanted it to which was as as an anthology uh series but i mean the poor box office receipts and and the divisions, uh, you know, among among critics and fans, you know, led to those ideas being scrapped. But um, you know, it is something to 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 want to wonder and, and to speculate on. And I I do wonder if if now you know when Halloween ends uh, premieres, if if there will be um, you know a new direction for the series, or if you know they're going to continue you know with with the Michael Myers storyline. I mean, my own my own take on it because i actually think halloween 3 is is worthy of of an updated uh, a modern day remake because i think the themes that are explored in this movie you know particularly the commercialization of halloween that with with you know kind of you know explorations of witchcraft and and really the whole season and origin of halloween i think it'd be really uh, appealing and 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 could connect uh, with with a modern audience. Now again, whether or not you know it's you know it's billed as you know another Halloween movie or you know or not you know who's to say. But I mean, I think there, there's enough in here that it, it definitely it definitely warrants uh, a rewatch. I mean, it's it's not my favorite movie in the franchise. I would you know say that with with you know full disclosure. But I appreciate what they were trying to accomplish, which was to make something totally different and tonally different from the previous two Halloween movies and, and the desire to expand and explore the Halloween season as a whole. I mean, how, there's so much rich history within the, 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 the lore of the Halloween season that, I mean, you know, as evidenced by the movie uh, Trick or Treat, uh, you could really do anything with the holiday and, and turn it into a movie. You know, it's, there's there's just so many aspects to it. And as I mentioned in the previous week's episode, you saw some of the kind of you know, uh, you know, tropes uh, of of the Halloween season explored a little bit in Halloween too, particularly the the boy that with the razor blade, uh, you know, that shows up at the hospital with his mother. You know, the implication being that you know he had found that in his candy kind of the old you know wives tale about you know poison candy or 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 sharp objects uh in your trick-or-treat bag i mean that's you know kind of interesting uh uh stuff that was explored and you know certainly halloween 3 takes it to the next level but it it would have been interesting to see where else they could have gone with it where where else could they have taken Halloween, you know, it could have you know done something, you know, vis-a-vis the Salem witch trials, or or something, you know, back in the 
you know, in, you know, in, in, in a, another time and place. I mean, there's really the sky was the limit, uh, but, you know, just unfortunately it was, it was a movie that was ahead of its time uh, in a lot of ways and unfortunately did not, uh, did not resonate with audiences the way that uh, I think they had hoped and intended. But, you know, certainly Halloween 3 has found uh, an audience today and has certainly found love and appreciation. I mean, you know, there were fans of, of, of just the movie itself and not the, the, the rest of the franchise or maybe just the original and then the third. So, I mean, it definitely has found uh, a, a place and that I think is, is special. I mean, it's, you know, too bad it took, you know, almost 40 years later, but I mean, you know, still it, it's, it's impressive that a movie that was so derided at the time of its release now you know, really has has become a you know a cult favorite, if you will, and and that's something to celebrate because there is a lot of there is a lot of stuff in this movie that I do like the mask, I like the the you know, kind of you know inverted take on on London bridges falling down. That's the the the, the melody for the um, the commercial theme song. You know, dun dun dun, dun Halloween. You know that that whole um, uh, jingle on the commercials it was just london bridge uh you know of course with with you know with the words changed um but i mean like you know tommy uh, tommy lee wallace put his his heart and soul on it and i think it, it shines through uh to this movie i mean the fact that he you know was offered halloween 2 but turned it down because he felt that halloween you know one had done all that it needed to, to do and it, they had said what they needed to say and then to come back to Halloween three because he was intrigued by the story. I think that's really, I think that's really cool. Um, you know, again, just it, it's unfortunate that it just didn't find the audience uh, at the time. But um, you know, again, you know, in today's world, you know, things can always get you know reshuffled and reevaluated, as is the case with with Halloween three. Um, but uh, you know, other interesting facts, kind of you know about this movie, you know. You've got the mask. You've got kind of you know the acknowledgement of of Halloween, the movie. You know it pops up on the TV screen, so it's kind of a little you know fun little in universe um, uh, 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 of uh, nods, if you will. Um, but um, it's it's interesting too because apparently the original script um, was written by this uh, this guy called um, Niger Neal, who had done. Uh, a lot of the Hammer horror films uh, back in the late 50s and 60s, and specifically had created the uh, uh, the Crater Mask uh, character. And so he was, I guess, approached by Carpenter and Hill to write the script for it because they thought he could give it that kind of gothic, um, you know, otherworldly, you know, kind of witchcraft feel that they were trying to capture um, for the uh, for the movie. But evidently, much of what he wrote uh, didn't end up getting translated uh, to the to the final project. And, and Carpenter and Hill had had to kind of come in and, and rewrite it because uh, apparently the he had a lot of objections, meaning uh, Nigel. Uh, Neil, he he had a lot of objections for the violence and the tone uh, of the movie. He he, I guess, really wanted it to be more of a psychological uh, film than than kind of a you know a 
not necessarily a slasher film, but he, he was not a fan of the gore and the splatter that, that ultimately is on the movie. So, you know, kind of it, the final version is sort of like a, you know, part of it's uh, the, the Neil script, part of it's the Carpenter script. So just sort of you know, interesting that there was other, you know, there, there is a whole other version out there and I've never, you know, <laughs> I've never seen the script. Um, but it would be interesting to to read it and kind of get an idea of what the original intent for it was. I mean, you know, insofar as what is what is on screen and and the story that's told, I think it works because you know it, it's such a it, it's such an original story. It's not this you know it's not a direct continuation from from Halloween two. It tries to stand on its own two feet, and again expand the lore of the Halloween season, the mythology, all of that, and, and really, you know, takes the story to, to new uh, heights. I mean, to this day, the, 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 the jingle from the commercial still kind of creeps me out because, you know, there's sort of this sweet melody to it, but it's, it's both, you know, sweet and ominous at the same time. So, you know, hats off to them for, you know, for taking London Bridge and, and, and turning it into this, uh, you know, disturbing uh, uh, melody or jingle, if you will. But um, uh, I, I think that's probably all I have to say on Halloween 3. I mean, I think kind of, you know, the question I posed, you know, was this a box office misfire or was it a gem ahead of its time? And I think the box office receipts and the, and the kind of uh, division and derision it received I, I think, you know, is, is certainly, uh, you know, not enough to, to diminish the movie. And I think it, it, it was a gem. It, it, it's, a, it's a movie that just, unfortunately, wrong place, wrong time. As I, as I said earlier, I think if it was released today, uh, it finds an audience because people are more aware of anthology and kind of, you know, different stories and different uh, directions of franchise can take. I mean, I think it, it would have been, you know, if you kind of compare it, you know, not that it's similar, but if you kind of compare it to Supergirl, which came out in, what was it, 19, I think, 84, that was a box office disaster, just absolute catastrophe. Even though it was, you know, technically part of the Superman franchise, audiences did not resonate with it. They did not like it. And and thus, you know, you, you get Superman for uh, the quest for peace. Now, I'm not, you know, equating Halloween four and, and, and Superman four. But the argument I'm, I'm trying to make is that audiences at the time, if, if you were going to do a sequel, which, again, was not common, uh, was not commonplace as, as they are today. But if you were going to continue an established storyline and, and kind of make a movie you know into a quote-unquote franchise audiences were expecting similar beats similar characters and you know again when you put halloween 3 uh you know in the title audiences understandably are going to want to show up and see michael myers back on screen and so you know kind of you know vis-a-vis supergirl i think it just shows at the time audiences were looking for something they recognize something familiar and and stuff that that tried to you know differentiate and again putting supergirl in another category but you know again movies that tried to be different from what 
um, you know, they they presented or, or you know what was a, what what it originated from were not uh, well uh, well received or regarded. The last example I would make, and this kind of I think ties it together perfectly. Halloween Halloween comes out seventy eight, same year Jaws two comes out, nineteen eighty one Halloween two makes its debut, and of course year after that Halloween three season of the witch. Now the reason I make the Jaws comparison is in summer of nineteen eighty three, Jaws three Jaws three D makes its debut and and while that is by no means <laughs> critically uh or or even commercially on par with jaws uh two or or, or certainly doesn't even come close to touching the original masterpiece the fact is jaws three was a relative success at the box office critically you know it was more of a mixed bag but it did respectable numbers and the reason I bring that up is Halloween 3 comes out the previous fall, 1982, and it deviates from the source material, tries to go in a new direction. Interesting, interestingly enough, the producers of Jaws, uh, David Brown and Richard Zanuck, were considering doing a spoof movie for Jaws 3. They were going to call it Jaws 3, People Zero. And it was going to be very much a send-up of the uh, of the previous two Jaws movies and kind of franchise movies as a whole. So, you know, kind of think Airplane, The Naked Gun. You know, was, that was very much what this film was going to be about. And it got to the point, they, they wrote a script, and it was going to go in production, but ultimately Universal, which coincidentally was also the, the studio behind Halloween 2 and Halloween 3, they they did not want to see the Jaws legacy, the Jaws franchise tarnished in any way. And you know, they compared it to, you know, you don't foul in your own nest. So as a result, Jaws 3, People 0 was scrapped, and the result was Jaws 3. And I bring up that comparison because I think it does show that when you try to deviate from the source material, uh, particularly in this time, again, put it back in the, in the 1980 mindset, audiences were not going to show up. Audiences showed up for Jaws 3, especially with it being... Uh, in 3D, audiences showed up. Same could be said with the Friday the 13th, part one, two, three, and so on. Audiences showed up. But the minute that the storyline changed or there was a complete 180 from what had come before, audiences uh, were turned off. So I have no idea what would have happened, you know, say with Jaws 3, People 0. The concept itself, I think it's kind of amusing and it might have actually been a, a, a better uh, critically received movie than say Jaws 3. But I, I think just based on where audiences tastes were, where the general audience was vis-a-vis -vis 
franchises and sequels, I don't think it would have been a success. And you kind of compare that with the reaction to, say, Supergirl, or in this particular case, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, I think the point is made. You stray from the source material, audiences aren't going to to show up. You've lost you've lost your target. So as much as I think Halloween 3 is a misunderstood gem and certainly has been, you know, reevaluated since its release over the last 40 years, you know, in the context of the Halloween franchise and certainly for what audiences were expecting in the fall of 1982, you know, it was probably not the way to go. Story-wise, I fully get it. I support what 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 Carpenter, Hill, and and Tommy Lee Wallace were trying to trying to achieve with it. But in so far as kind of finding, you know, holding on to your target audience and and maintaining that you know connective tissue between the previous entries, you know, it 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 was it was a it was a mishap. So. It's a mixed bag, I think, overall, uh, when it comes to Halloween 3. Like I said, I, I I like and appreciate what they were going for with it, but I think Mustafa Akkad said it best back in the late 2000s uh, before he uh, before he tragically passed away. And, and he said it best, and I, I'll just leave it uh, with, with his words. Halloween 3 is a good movie but it is not part of the Halloween Michael Myers franchise. And I don't think anything else needs to be said beyond that. That sums uh, sums up the movie to a T. Uh, so with that, I think I will end today's, uh, today's show. Next week, going to be diving into another controversial uh, stew, if you will, and that is Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. So... Uh, kind of, you know, kind of, you know, stirring up the uh, the controversial entries in the franchise. Uh, we have there's sort of there's a trifecta of them, uh, shall we say? Uh, we've covered now Halloween three. Next week we rob zombies, and and shortly after that will be uh, Halloween Resurrection. But uh, next week going to dive into Rob Zombie's uh, interesting, shall we say, sequel uh, to his 2007 remake of of john carpenter's classic but uh we'll i'll hold off uh until next week's show uh to give you my thoughts on that particular entry in the halloween franchise uh with that i will sign off and as always thank you to you the listeners for tuning in each week and hearing what i have to say on any particular movie you can follow me along uh, on Twitter. My personal handle is Phil Cast Movies. The handle for this show is Phil at the Movies, but I am much more active on my personal one, so you can uh, certainly find me there. Uh, just a reminder: we are now just forty-two days away, forty-two days and counting until the release of Halloween ends. It's getting closer every day, folks. With that, hope you all have a great, happy, and healthy. Labor Day weekend. A lot of great movies still playing at the theater. Of course, this weekend, Spider-Man No Way Home is making its return to theaters along with Jaws, which I'm actually going to go see tonight, in fact, in real 3D. So that should be a fun time. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens 
at the weekend box office, uh, especially with Spider-Man making uh, his return and, of course, going up against Top Gun Maverick. But uh, we'll have to wait and see Monday what the final uh, final returns are. But uh, in that case, signing off today. Take care, everybody, and I'll be back next week.